Good morning, good morning. It's so great to see everybody here. Let's greet each other with a greeting that Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Thank you. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the sunshine after the storms that we had last night. Lord, I thank you for the rain that we had yesterday, for the, the blessing that it was for gardens and yards and crops. And Lord, we just thank you that you do bring that for us for our good. Lord, I, I pray that you'll be with us in this service this morning, that Lord, as we go through this morning, that you would be a tangible presence among us, that, that the praise and worship that we would offer you would be a, a pleasant aroma in your, in your presence. Thank you for being here with us and inviting us to, to, into your presence here. And may everything that is said and done honor and glorify you above all else, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Now, as you're willing and comfortable, please go ahead and stand as the uh, high saws lead us in in worship through song. Good morning. I'm glad you guys could join us this week.
Sorry, guys. Hang on just a minute. We're all supposed to worship together. It's not the Joey and Crystal show, so if we could do it together, that'd probably be better. worship is praising, is praising. God, in spite of the pain, thanking God, sorry, I'm going to start over. The deepest level of worship is praising God in spite of the pain, thanking God during the trials, trusting him when you are tempted to lose hope, and loving him when he seems too distant and far away. At my lowest, God is my hope. At my darkest, God is my light. At my weakest, God is my strength. At my saddest, God is my comforter. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. 
you turned into wine Open the eyes of the blind There's no one like you None like you Into the darkness you shine And out of the ashes we rise There's no one like you None like you Our God is greater Our God is stronger God you are higher than any other Our God is healer Awesome in power, our God, our God. Into the darkness you shine, and out of the ashes we rise. There's no one like you, none like you. Our God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God. Our God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God. could stand against and if our God is for us then who could ever stop us and if our God is with us then what could stand against and if our God is for us then who could ever stop us and if our God is with us then what could stand against and if our God is for us then who could ever stop us and if our God is with us then what could stand against Pray with me, will you? Father, we do know and we believe that you are that great God. Greater than anything we would face today, greater than anything that might come our way this week, Lord, greater than anything that we have faced this past week, you are greater, you are higher, you are stronger. Father, we thank you, we praise you for that fact. Father, I, I know that some of us come today with heavy hearts and heavy burdens, and there you may feel a little defeated, a little discouraged. Lord, I ask that in this moment, in the, this time that we have together, that your spirit would uplift and encourage each heavy heart. Lord, for those who have come today rejoicing in the victories in their lives, rejoicing in the great things that you have done, I thank you and I praise you. And Father, I just pray that those folks would tell others about the greatness and the goodness of who you are so that we can rejoice along with them. Father, I, I thank you for the way I see you working in the lives of people here in this church, in the, the, the generosity that you have 
cultivated in this place, the love between people that I see here, the, the love for each other and the love for you. Lord, it is such a great family to be part of. And I thank you for each and every one who's here with us this morning, who's joining us online, or Lord, will join us later. You really are a good God. You are a great God. We thank you and we praise you. Lord, be with the rest of this service. Be with the message that you've laid on, laid on my heart today. Lord, may it be an encouragement and maybe even a challenge to each and every one of us myself included. We thank you and we praise you. We ask you these things in your name because you alone are worthy. Amen. And the peace of the Lord be with you. Take a couple of minutes, if you would, as you're comfortable, and pass the peace to each other. Okay. If you will begin to find your, your spots um, we do have a few announcements this morning. Um, July 10th, August 14th, and September 11th, those three Sundays for the rest of the summer, we're going to be doing breakfast between services, just like we did last Sunday. Um, it was pretty good. Was there anybody here last Sunday and had breakfast? It was pretty good, wasn't it? Howard, you and your crew, I appreciate it. And being someone who knows her biscuits and gravy, Top-notch, top-notch. So you won't want to miss it. Um, on Wednesdays from 11 to 3 and Fridays from 4 to 8 p.m. Um, not 4 to 8 a.m. That would be horrible. But 4 to 8 p.m., we have the Unity Cafe here. Um, it's been a great blessing to a lot of people. I know we have a lot of folks that aren't necessarily connected to us here at Living Hope, but they come to the cafe, and it really has been tremendous. From what I'm hearing about it, it's, it's a great thing. Feel free to stop in. You'd be more than welcome. And then we do have um, our free bike giveaways throughout the summer, the giveaways and tune-ups. So if you're looking for a bike, or you have a bike that maybe just needs a little bit of work and don't want to take it into a shop, go ahead and stop on by. Third Sundays from 9 a.m. to third Saturdays, not Sunday. Third Saturdays from 9 to noon right here in our parking lot. Next month is going to be on the 23rd. So July is the 23rd. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Um, if you are here today or you are listening online and you have something you'd like to communicate to the, to the church here, to the pastor, um, please feel free to get a green card off the table in the back and fill it out, drop it in. If you're new here, we'd also like you to do that so we can get to know who you are and for you can get to know who we are. Um, you can do that online also by going to livinghope.info slash connect. Um, and your giving this morning, we, we appreciate the generosity. I appreciate the generosity of this church, not just in what you give, financially, but in all that you do in here in the church and in our community. Um, but if you are wanting to give this morning, you can do so by going to livinghope.info slash give and do that there. I think I got every, oh no, Sam handed me this, this colorful flyer this morning. This is um, a recovery art series kickoff that they're inviting us to for Recovery Connection. It is this afternoon from 1 to 3 at Recovery Connection and Don Hovey Drive. I don't know where that is, I'm going to be honest. So if you have questions, you want to know what this is about, I guess it's free food, free music, and free art. That sounds like a lot of fun, doesn't it? So see Sam over here, wave Sam so people see Sam if you want to get more information about that for today. Now, before I get into the message this morning, <clears throat> I wanted to address the recent news of the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. And forgive me because I'm going to read this to make sure that I say what I mean to say. I know that Pastor Rich has said before that living hope is a church where Christians are allowed to disagree about politics. It really is okay. That means that we have some in our congregation who are celebrating this recent decision and others who are grieving because of it. You probably know and love some people here who disagree with you on this issue. 
Maybe they're here, maybe they're in your family. We would all do well to listen to each other and seek to understand each other, especially on sensitive matters where we may disagree. That's just part of loving each other and loving each other well. I was chatting with Pastor Rich about this yesterday, and he reminded me of something he has said before, that of all the people he knows, and all the people I know also, who would call themselves pro-choice, he doesn't know anyone that celebrates when when an abortion takes place. I don't know anyone who does either. Most simply, we want people to have the, most simply, most simply want people to have the right to make that decision themselves and should, should that situation arise. Whatever your political persuasion, my guess is that we would all prefer for abortions to occur very rarely or to never be needed at all. But until the day comes when that is a reality, let's continue. Continue to pray and to work for women, for babies, for dads, for families, for wisdom, for grace, and for compassion. Now, since this ruling means that the abortion issue is being handed back to the states, let us all pray for our lawmakers, that God would give them wisdom and humility as they chart a path forward. And of course, feel free to let them know your opinion on the matter. Contact your lawmakers. It's important. And then let us also pray for ourselves, for each of us, that God will help us to keep our ears open to listen to each other, especially to those whose view, who view this differently than we do, and that we can hear their hearts and understand where they're coming from. And pray that we will keep our hearts open to each other and to our neighbors who need to know above all else that they are loved by God and by us. If you have questions about any of this, if you have thoughts that you'd like to share, please let us know. Again, you can use the green card in the back, or you can um, go online and use the link livinghope.info connect. We would love to hear from you. <sighs> that was not easy, <laughs> I'll be honest. But this morning, we're going to jump in, and we're going to look at something um, that some of us might think, oh, we're doing this again, or I've heard this before. Not necessarily from me, but, you know, we've heard this before. But I want to look at something, um, at what the Bible might teach us about truth. Okay. (laughs) Um, And prior to looking into this sermon, I would likely have said there's only one type of truth. It's just truth. It's either truth or it isn't, right? It's yes or no, black or white, right? Okay. But I've made a few observations while looking into the topic, and there is more than one type of truth that I'd like to take a, a, take a quick look at a couple of them before getting into the meat of the message this morning. And just hang in with me. I, I know that that's a scary thing to say there's more than one truth, okay? I, just hang in with me for a minute. First, I wanted to say that there, there's an observable truth. These are things that we see in nature, and they don't vary, right? Gravity is one of those. It's an observable truth. We know that if we drop something, it's going to fall down. You know, unless there's a vacuum or there's other circumstances. But even, even the lightest feather will eventually fall to the ground because of gravity. Um, the sun, it rises in the east, it sets in the west. That's an observable truth. It doesn't vary, does it? Um, Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. This is what we know as Newton's third law of motion, right? Things like that we can agree are truths, although with new information, those truths can change. You know, I think of um, atomic particles. You know, we used to think that, that cells were the smallest particles that we could discover. And it went down and down, and, and then it was atomic particles and subatomic particles. And I think, have we gone any deeper than the subatomic yet? I don't know. That we're headed that direction, though, aren't we? So, so those observable truths can even change with new knowledge, okay? Another truth is an accepted truth. This is a truth that's contextual to a culture or a community. 
And these can be social norms or simply the right or wrong way to do something that's based on the culture you happen to find yourself in. Um, if you travel to another country, there are things that you just do not do or some things that you just better do in order to be considered right or wrong, to be living in the truth or not. <laughs> and that's, that's contextual, and, and that's okay. Um, next is what I would call a personal truth. This is the truth that's experiential and can differ from one person to another. It's not, it's not really completely reliable, but if you think of it like this, that two people in the same family, the same church, the same company, that have nearly identical interactions and contact, but one person has a very positive experience and one a very negative experience. Are both of them true or both of them untrue? Each person would say that their experience was true or truthful, yet they're opposite experiences. <clears throat> the final truth that I observed in several places, and I've observed this at several times um, over the last number of years, is biblical truth. Many of us would say, well, that's the real truth, right? The Bible is the real truth. Don't get me wrong. The Bible contains the true word of God. The Bible contains truth. It's there, okay? I'm not, I'm not undermining the, the validity and the, the, the inspiration by God of the Bible. Don't get me wrong, okay? That's my disclaimer. That's my caveat. <clears throat> and there are some things that, are, some truths in the Bible that Christians pretty much universally agree on. Um, some of those we would know as the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed, the we believes of, of Christianity, right, of the Christian faith. Do you know what I mean by the, the creed, the we believes? Yes? Okay, good. Some, two of you did. The rest of you, we're, we'll talk later. Um, but from there, however, you only need to watch a couple of different pastors or preachers or experts to realize that even biblical truth can vary by person or by faith tradition. Um, there, are some, there are some folks who are convinced that it's biblical truth that women should not wear pants. According to them, I'm a sinner right now. <clears throat> That's a biblical truth. It says in the Bible, right? It's, but there are other traditions, ours being one of them, that says, does it really matter? Am I clothed appropriately for the situation I happen to find myself in? I hope so. If, I, if not, somebody needs to tell me because I didn't really look in the mirror on my way out this morning. <laughs> But, but no, there's, so there, the, the biblical truth can vary by person or faith tradition. So is there no real truth? That's the question that I, I kind of was delving into. What is the real truth then? If, if, the, if observable truth and biblical truth and accepted truth and personal truth aren't the truth, then what is truth? <clears throat> now, even after what I just said about biblical truth... Let's look at what the Bible says about it, shall we? Now, I'm going to apologize. I don't have, I didn't have the verses, didn't get them up on slides, but they are inside your handouts. So you can follow along there. In the Old Testament, in 2 Samuel chapter 7, David is praying a prayer of thanks regarding the promises that God made to him. He says, O Lord of heaven's armies, God of Israel, I have been bold enough to pray this prayer to you because you have revealed all this to your servant, saying... I will build a house for you, a dynasty of kings. For you are God, O sovereign Lord. Your words are truth. And you have promised these good things to your servant. And now may it please you to bless the house of your servant so that it may continue forever before you. For you have spoken, and when you grant a blessing to your servant, O sovereign Lord, it is an eternal blessing. Those are verses 27 to 29. Now, if you do a quick search of places where the word truth comes up in the Bible, you'll find a number of them in the book of Psalms. Psalms 43.3 says, Send out your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them lead me to your holy mountain, to the place where you live. Psalm 119, 159 and 60 says, See how I love your commandments, Lord. Give back my life because of your unfailing love. The very essence of your words is truth. All 
your just regulations will stand forever. Now there's many more places where you'll find the word truth or the truth of God mentioned in the book of Psalms as well as many other Old Testament books. Because the truth of God was given to his people through the law and through the prophets. And while the people of Israel were known to stray from that truth, David, in the Psalms, would express his commitment to living in God's truth. In Psalm 26, 1-3, he says, Declare me innocent, O Lord, for I have acted with integrity. I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Put me on trial, Lord, and cross-examine me. Test my motives in my heart, for I am always aware of your unfailing love, and I have lived according to your truth. And again in 80, Psalm 86, 11, Teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to your truth. Grant me purity of heart so that I may honor you. For David and for others, we read about the truth of the word that came from God was life-giving and essential. And we can see that idea of God's word and his truth threaded all throughout the Old Testament. It's almost like God is setting us up for something, isn't it? So as we move into the New Testament, John, one of Jesus' disciples, starts his gospel by laying a foundation of who Jesus is. The opening verse of his gospel is probably familiar to many of us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We know that John is talking about Jesus being the Word, right? And for a few more verses, John builds more onto that statement. He builds on that foundation. And then in verse 14 of chapter 1, he, he writes, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him, meaning John the Baptist. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of the fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Early on in John's gospel, he asserts that Jesus, the word made flesh, is full of truth and that truth comes from him. Jesus himself, when explaining to his disciples things that were to come, made it clear how he didn't just have the truth, but he was the truth. He didn't just, he didn't just carry it with him. He embodied truth. Truth was who he was. John 14, 1 through 7 says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home, and if this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be here with me where I am. And, I know the, and you know the way to where I'm going. We don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In that one statement, there's, there's a, a connotation of, I am the only way, the only truth, and the only life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is, and from now on, you do know him and have seen him. Now here, Jesus very clearly states that he is the truth. Not that he knows the truth, not that he's learned the truth, but that he is truth. We've heard that so many times that sometimes we'll often gloss over Jesus' words and this statement and hardly give it a second thought. I mean, I remember learning this verse when I was very little, little girl. It was an easy one for little kids to learn. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Simple, right? <clears throat> but sometimes we've heard it so much that we don't really grasp the significance of what he's saying. When Jesus said this to his disciples, it was huge. It was earth-shattering. It was paradigm, not just shifting, but paradigm-breaking 
for them. They had to rebuild what they thought they knew about God from the bottom up, given this information. What he did here and in the verses immediately following was proclaim himself to be God. Not just God's son, but God himself. And his language in this section very clearly states the fact of who he is. And it's funny that even his disciples, these guys who've been living 24-7 with him for the last three years, three years, 24-7, didn't get it. (laughs) They weren't catching on to what he'd been trying to say and what he was saying here. And it's kind of funny when Philip says just after this verse, he says, Jesus, show show us the Father. And in Jesus, in what I can imagine might have been a somewhat exasperated tone, says something along the lines of, have I not been here the whole time and you still don't know who I am? And in my mind, I hear a little, (laughs) are you kidding me? Added on to the end, really? I've been here this whole time with you guys and you're still not catching on. Seriously, they spent all this time with Jesus He'd been showing them all along who, they, who he was, and they still didn't get it. And while that might seem a little frustrating for Jesus, what it does is it gives me hope as a human being, as a, someone who has taken too long sometimes to learn the things God wants me to learn. I don't feel so bad. If they didn't get it, and they spent all that time with him, I feel a little more hopeful that it takes me a while sometimes to catch up, catch on to some of the things that Jesus has tried to teach me and is still working on teaching me. Well, now that we know that God's word and what we know is the Bible is full of his truth and that Jesus is the truth, what do we do with that information? Now, I don't want to simplify this too much, <clears throat> But what is the practical application that we have for this knowledge? Paul, in his second letter to the church in Corinth, that's 2 Corinthians, okay, um, describes some of the hardships that he and some of his fellow missionaries had endured. In verses 6 and 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul states, We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us and by our sincere love. We faithfully preach the truth, God's power working in us. We use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack and the left hand for defense. The piece here that stuck out for me is where Paul says, we faithfully preach the truth. And what is the truth that Paul and his fellow missionaries preached? You don't have to read too many of Paul's letters to to hear what that truth is, what that good news is. That truth is Jesus and him crucified. Paul will say it over and over again. That is the truth. That is the good news. The message that he came, that that he was proclaiming. Jesus and him crucified. It is really that simple yet complicated at the same time. Now most of us here today would likely say, but I'm not a preacher. Dwayne, you don't get that, uh, that privilege. <laughs> um, and I would have said the same thing a number of years ago. I'm not a preacher. <laughs> I love when I say things to God and he says, okay, whatever. <laughs> He's done that to me more than once, let me tell you. And you might be right that you're not a preacher in the traditional sense where you would stand on a platform and give a message. But all of us know Hopefully, we all know the truth of who Jesus is, the gift of that knowledge of Jesus and him crucified, and what that can mean for our lives. And that is a gift that we can give to everyone around us. That gift is Jesus and the fact that his death on a cross and resurrection from the dead can give anyone, everyone, new life. You might not be a preacher and stand on a platform like I am today. That's okay. But do you know that everybody has a three-point sermon in their life? Now, I don't really do three-point sermons. Maybe it's a fault of mine. Maybe, I don't know. 
but everyone in their life. You have a three-point sermon if you know Jesus. You want to hear it? (laughs) Okay. Point number one is your life before you knew Jesus. We can describe our lives. For me, I'll be honest, I I came to know Jesus when I was eight years old. I wasn't really that bad of a sinner at eight years old. Right? I mean, I, I can get in trouble, but how much trouble can you really get into as that little of a girl? Nevertheless, before I knew Jesus, I was lost. And I was sinful. Then, point number two is how you met Jesus. This is how you were introduced to him. This is how you came to know and believe the truth of who he is and that he could save you from your sins. Point number three, what your life is now. How he's changed you. How he's redeemed you. The difference that he has made for all this time that you have been believing and following him. Quick three-point sermon. No scripture, right? I mean, you might have some scriptures that you remember from your experience in, in discovering and, and, and getting to know Jesus, but you don't have to. As long as you can, you can preach the message of who I was before, how I came to know him, and what he's done for me since, and who I am now, okay? <clears throat> you can tell the people in your life how the truth of those three points has changed you and can in turn change them. So does that mean that I have all the answers? (laughs) If you think I do, we need to chat because I absolutely do not. I don't have all the answers. I I don't have hardly any answers. I'm still asking the questions. I'm still learning. And anyone who tells you they do have all the answers are not necessarily the people you want to be listening to. But I do know this, and we can all know this beyond a shadow of a doubt, that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life, and it is only through him that we have access to God. That is the good news for us to share, whether we're preachers, or we're bricklayers, or we're teachers, or we're housewives, or we're real estate agents, or we're secretaries, or we're police officers, or we're retired, whatever it is we are, that is the good news that we have to share. So today, as we leave this place and go about our business of living and doing, I challenge and encourage you to seek out truth. How do you seek out truth? The best way i found is to search the Bible. Now I know... (laughs) that I said that sometimes biblical truth can vary depending on your background and tradition. But I am confident that when you seek out truth from the word of God, he, through the Holy Spirit, is going to reveal it to you. And if you're confused or you're not really sure what the Bible is saying, you can ask someone, Pastor Rich, Pastor Duane, even myself, if it's not too hard of a question. And if you're having difficulty understanding those things in the Bible, ask the questions. I still, like I said, am asking those questions. And I hope I always am. I hope I'm always asking those questions. I hope I never reach a place where I think, okay, I'm good. I got it. I don't need to learn any more about God. God is so much bigger than that. And he's so unknowable. And yet he wants so much for us to know him. I know that seems kind of like a a paradox. And yet that's how much God loves us. So today as we leave here, oh, sorry. So get to know Jesus through the things that he says. That's the other, that's the the next point. Is if you want to know truth, if you want to know what God says, listen to what Jesus says. Get to know him through the words and the the descriptions of the things he did in the New Testament, in the Gospels. They're written for us in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you've not really spent a lot of time in the Bible, if you'll spend time in those four books, you'll get to know Jesus. You'll get to know how he loved people. You'll get to know how he treated people, how he esteemed people, especially the people that the world looked at and said that they weren't worth the time or the trouble. 
And then as you know Jesus and his word more and more, you'll find the truth that you need. And in turn, we'll be able to share that truth with your family, your friends, your coworkers, and your neighbors. So pray with me, will you? Father, we thank you that you have given us the truth of who you are, contained in a book that you inspired. And Lord, while sometimes we get it wrong, sometimes we think we know what we're talking about, we think we know what you're saying to us, but Lord, I thank you that you are a God who constantly is teaching us, constantly correcting us, that you use your word to refine the truth that we know until we really get down to the nitty-gritty of Jesus and him crucified. I thank you, Father, for this message. Lord, it wasn't just for the folks here listening. It was as much for me as anyone else. May we never stop seeking you and your truth. May we never stop learning from you and all that you are. Lord, though we may never reach the end of it, Lord, we never will reach the end of knowing you. But we thank you that you love us enough to give us that opportunity. Lord, as we gather this morning for communion, for the table that is prepared before us, Lord, I thank you for the reminder through the bread and through the cup of you crucified for our sins, crucified so that we can be redeemed and restored to you. There is no other way except through you. Bless these elements this this morning, Lord, as we partake. Bless the rest of our time together. And bless each one as we go from this place, Lord. And now join me in praying the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now for those, as the high saws come, and we so appreciate their ministry this morning, don't we? As they come to lead us in one last song, you are welcome to come forward and take a piece of bread. We have regular bread and gluten-free wafers, and we have the prepackaged elements. Take those, dip it in, go back to your seats, or if you're not comfortable yet coming forward, please feel free to use the elements that are at your table. And this is open to anyone and everyone who is saying yes to God this morning. No 
known you as a father I've known you as a friend And I have lived in the goodness of God All my life you have been faithful And all my life you have been so the goodness of God is your goodness is running after it's running after me is your goodness is running after it's running after me with my life laid down I'm surrendered now I give you you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.